We have been looking at what on earth is going on. It's my subdiversion of, of Dr. Shaw's book, uh, What on Earth is God Doing? And I particularly wanted to look at that because I've questioned that myself in uh, the days that we live. As we look around us, we see the lawlessness, the violence going on, the incredible political situation we find ourselves in. Christianity is scorned. We're belittled, we're made fun of, we're relegated to some kind of second-class citizen. Not everywhere, of course. It has not reached that degree yet, but it's definitely on the way down. We can see that from the world round about us. We are hopeless and helpless people that need a crutch. That's what the world says. I don't like that, and you don't like that. How does this happen? How did this all come to pass when just a few years ago, we had people uh, proclaiming God's word throughout, the, throughout our nation, our, our, our very coinage, in God we trust. Though our founding fathers were not all Christians, many, many of them did believe in the living God. Today, we have so very little of that. How did immorality and wickedness get into the, the government where these people who God says have a reprobate mind now are making laws for us? How did this happen? What on earth is going on? Well, we started right back from the beginning and saw what we know to be the fall of perfect, beautiful, sinless, created beings called angelic beings. God created them perfect in every way. And yet, because of one of them who was lifted up in his pride, he decided to go against God. He wanted to claim the very throne of God. And we'll see that as it progresses down through. We took some time together to look at uh, Genesis, uh, really one right down through chapter three, having to do with man. Satan, we know to be the devil, the serpent, now turns his gaze upon God's creation. He fell, he brought one third of the angelic beings with him into the billions perhaps of angelic beings. He brought one third of them with him and now we have this kingdom of darkness and wickedness versus the kingdom of light, goodness, and holiness, God's kingdom. And so this battle is progressing. And Satan turns his eyes now upon man's premier creation, and we know that to be, uh, I mean, God's premier creation, we know that to be man. I'll just run through this quickly. It was part of what we looked at last time we were together. A God, man was created in the image and likeness with, of God. In God's own likeness, he created him with intellect, emotion, will, freedom of choice to display God's glory and to reflect God's character. That's why man was created, to display God's glory and to reflect his character. Man was created uh, with, and given divine dominion over all creation. God gave it over to Adam and to Eve, of course, as part of that. Uh, man was to control creation, and subdue it. He was to be part of subduing the very creation that God had given him. Man was created to have pure fellowship with God, a personal relationship. He walked with God in the garden and fellowship with God. He had communion with God, dialogue with his very creator, a personal relationship with God. Man was admonished to respond and obey the will of God verbally. God told him what he wanted him to do, how he wanted him to do it, and what to stay away from. So man was created perfect in all his ways. And then the person of the devil, the Satan, uh, the serpent, 
uh, began his work in, in attacking men. He went after the woman. He is not all-knowing. He is not all-powerful. Uh, but God allowed the woman to be tested or, 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 or brought to a place where Satan could speak for her. Um, it's so interesting. We, we just heard that from uh, Pastor Rob about that with, with uh, even into James, the testing of our, our faith. God wants us to respond because of what he has said. Now we, we, we consider this together as the devil now tempts Eve. And, and he asks her some questions, a series of questions that really are rhetorical questions. Has God really said that? Uh, and he begins by calling God a liar right from the start. And don't misunderstand this, folks. Anyone who says that creation is not true has called God a liar. They're calling him a liar face to face. You are a liar. That is not true. The moment they deny uh, creation, they may not understand that completely. They not, may not comprehend that fully. But when you, God says, I created everything, and you say, no, you didn't, what have you done? Made a polite suggestion to the creator? No, you've called him a liar. And all the way through, we see God questioning Eve. Now, we saw that Eve, uh, if you would, took the bait. Remember, God does not dangle bait in front of people. James tells us that. Every man is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. God will not tempt with sin. The word to tempt there is to, to hang bait in front of someone. But Satan hangs all the bait you could possibly want. He hangs bait. God does not. Uh, he hung the bait before uh, the woman. Listen, when you eat this fruit, you'll be just like God. Oh, Really? Wouldn't that be wonderful? And she looked at it. It was a fruit to be desired. It must have tasted very well, too, in her mouth, not in the mouth of Adam, because he took of that fruit full well in knowing the consequences. I don't know if he understood the complete consequences of what was to happen, but Adam partook of, and he also, of course, was that fall. God attributes the fall to Adam, and not to Eve. Very interesting as I see that. Okay, so we're traveling through. Now Satan has, um, has uh, tempted uh, the, the man and the woman. They fell into sin, particularly attributed to Adam, obviously, because he knowingly partook of that. And God now begins the process of, of uh, his omniscient judgment, knowing all things that shall take place, that will take place, God begins the process of his omniscient judgment. Uh, he covers the man and woman with animal skins. We saw that was a typology, a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. The animal skins that covered Adam and Eve signified or typified an innocent dying for a guilty and so they sowed fig leaves on themselves. They chose their own way. God says, that's not what I have intended for you. And he put animal skins up upon them. We saw in the book of uh, John, the Gospel of John, chapter 8, that God said that the devil was a liar from the beginning, right from the start. He lied to Eve. She bought it. Uh, Adam did not buy the lie. He rather chose the sin, but recognized that as the serpent beguiled Eve, Paul tells us, 
He warned the, the church. As a serpent beguiled Eve, I'm concerned about you. Do not be beguiled by the devil and his, uh, and his lies. We uh, have been warned. You and I have been warned about that in our day. The, the devil, like a roaring lion, seeketh whom he may be devoured. That's not talking about unsafe people. He's talking to Christians. Peter's book is a wonderful book of warning for us. Continually through it, false teachers will come. This will happen. People are saying this. Be very careful, he warns us. And so we have been warned. We have the information needed, don't we? We have it. We need not fall prey to anything round about us. Well, we have, we've been warned. We have the information. We have the indwelling Holy Spirit. We have the power to resist the devil. The scriptures tell us. Uh, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We've been told by God through his word that there is no temptation taken us but such as common to men. But God is faithful. We can rely upon God in every, uh, every trial that comes into our life, every test that comes into our life. We can rely upon God. So there's no excuse when we fall into sin. There's no excuse at all. We've been given the, the information needed to, to, uh, to stand in the testings are the day of adversity that comes upon us. But what does James say? Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Own lust, the word fantasia, fantasy. It's, it, it has to do with the, the mind. It's an evil mind, evil imagination. That's why Paul tells us, put on the mind of Christ. Why? Because our mind is subject to Adam's fall, and we're going to investigate that as we go along. Okay, let's look if we can now. Head back with me to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. God now intervenes and begins the process of uh, condemning what has gone on both in the devil and in the man. <clears throat> and we see this, if we could, as we continue on in chapter 3. In the Lord, chapter 3 and verse 14 and the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed above all the cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Now, if that was all that was subject to Satan, let's say, that would have been a piece of cake. Because God has a plan for this wicked one, this wicked one who in habit, the lake of fire forever. So this is just a subcategory, if you will. As the serpent, you're going to crawl on, on your belly for, the, uh, for all the days of your life. So the serpents have been condemned. Then we know there's a certain aspect where uh, a serpent is something that you just, uh, I mean, it just makes the skin crawl on you. I, I have had several encounters with snakes, and I've been bitten by a few of them. I've you know, I was bitten by one of these little tiny garden snakes. You know, everyone sees them, they're around everyone's house. But when it bites you, somehow it's a horrifying effect. You know, well, you know I thought I was going to die, you know, and then it came to my senses on that. I've been around very, very poisonous snakes that they look at you and say, I want to bite you. Now, they're not speaking, obviously, but that's their indication to you. Uh, snakes make, just turn our skins because of their... This subtlety, but God lets us know that was the condemnation of this animal that was first created. It didn't look like it does now. 
You have to wonder about it, don't you? I wonder about some of these things. I know it's wasting some time, perhaps. But I think, what, what was the first dog? What did the first dog look like? You have anything from Chihuahuas to Great Danes. What did, would the first dog look like? What, what would some of these first beasts look like? Amazing, amazing things. And this serpent looked very different than he does today. But he was condemned, okay? So we have this snake being now. That, now, the snake was not Satan. He took on the form of that animal, whatever that was, that serpent, that reptile, if you would. And God lets the woman know now, and Satan, there's going to come the conflict of the ages. And that's where we're going to pick up our study, the conflict of the ages. He tells the serpent, and we see that in uh, chapter 3 and verse 15, and I will put enmity, a, a battle, a struggle, a division. I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. He shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Literally, the word crush is to, to, it's to uh, a, a fatal bruise, what we would know to be a, a complete crushing of of the head of the serpent. But notice, in the process, what would happen is his heel, in the process of crushing the serpent, his heel would be bruised. And of course, we know that uh, to be uh, the cross of Calvary, where the Lord Jesus Christ took upon uh, the sins of the world. Now, what happened in that process? Well, we recognize that in, in the process, uh, God lets the woman know that your seed is going to carry the one that will fulfill the word of God, fulfill the promise of God. And we know that, of course, to be the Lord Jesus Christ in hindsight. So what, were, what was uh, Adam and Eve thinking? What, what, what were they trying to comprehend here? And he said, uh, the seed, Satan's seed, between thy seed, Satan's seed, and her seed. Now we know because Satan is a created being, an angelic being, that he could not produce seed. We know that from the New Testament passages, the Lord Jesus particularly uh, points that out. Angels are neither married nor given in marriage. The, 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 the form there is they cannot produce children. They do not get married to, to produce children. They cannot have children. So why, why did he say between uh, her seed and your seed? Well, because from this point forward, whenever we get into Satan's, um, the picture of Satan in the scriptures, we always uh, refer to those who receive his, um, his way as a child of the devil. I want to look at this in a couple of places just to show you. Now, it's not every single place, but in many, many places, uh, Satan's seed are those who reject God's word and go forward to do Satan's will. Let's look at that just for a minute, please. Turn with me to uh, John chapter 8. We're coming right back here, but John chapter 8. So from now on, the Lord Jesus and the disciples seem to reference that Satan, in fact, has seed. Uh, those could be the, his fallen counterparts, uh, 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 demons, fallen angels, and or man. But we'll, let's look at that. We're in John chapter 8. <clears throat> this is a very feisty confrontation between the Pharisees and Sadducees and the Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus is just simply informing them of, of, of his position, his, 
his, uh, his purity. But they reject him and, and fully, and they're going back to what they say is the Mosaic law according to their interpretation. And the Lord Jesus answers that. Notice in verse 40, John chapter 8 and verse 40. But now you seek to kill me, a man that has told you the truth, which I have heard of God, this did not Abraham. So I've, I've informed you exactly what God wanted me to, to do, and now you're rejecting me. And they shoot back at him. You, uh, in, verse, um, in verse 41, you do the deeds of your father. Then said they unto him, we are not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. So the, remember, his reputation was following him. They believed he was born of fornication, that Joseph was not married to her when she had the child, completely nullifying the virgin birth. But they were just saying, you are illeg an illegitimate child. We are children of the kingdom. And notice what the Lord Jesus said unto them. If God were your father, you would have loved me, for I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech, even because you cannot hear my words? You are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks, he speaks a lie, for he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. He's speaking of his own, his own seed, and you, my friends, are his seed, essentially with the Lord. You are of your father, the devil. Uh, again, his seed, if you would, those who have rejected Messiah and then turned to do uh, the will of Satan. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians, I mean, sorry, the book of Acts in chapter 13 for a moment. Acts 13, Paul on his first missionary journey with Barnabas in Acts chapter 13, <clears throat> they're headed for the island of Cyprus from Antioch, north of Jerusalem, Antioch of uh, Syria. They travel, they're traveling down to Cyprus now, the island of Cyprus. And they were ministering across the island of Cyprus. They get to the far western point of the island of Cyprus, uh, Paphos. And as they're there, they have some very interesting effects going on. I'll let you read that later on. But let's pick it up in, in chapter 13 and verse 6. And when they had gone through the isle unto Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus. He's named Son of the Savior. Who was uh, with the deputy of the, of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God from them. So they, they, this man, he wants to hear the scriptures. He wants to hear what, this, what they're teaching. He's interested in it. But notice, please, in verse 8. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for so his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. So this man is a sorcerer, satanic in all his being. And he seeks to turn the word of God away from this governor who wanted to hear more. This mayor who wanted to hear more. And we read about Satan doing that, don't we, in the scriptures. That he wants to turn people away from the Lord. He wants to turn uh, those who hear. Remember the seed is sown and what happens? Then comes the devil and catches away that was, was sown. And so he tries to steer this man away from the truth. Verse 9. 
Then Saul, Apostle Paul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, set his eyes on him and said, O oh, full of deceit and all mischief, thou child of the devil, a son of the devil, referencing the seed of the devil. You're his seed. You're not God's seed. You belong to him. You're his seed. And so as we look at this, it's going to be a, an, a conflict of the ages and that will always be his seed, Satan's seed, and her seed, Messiah, the line of Messiah. That's going to be the conflict through the ages. Now listen, folks. When problems come your way, you're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Recognize that. Now that doesn't mean we flip rocks looking for devils. I've been around long enough to know that. I... I, I, I I was around back in the 80s, in this church back in the 80s when Satanism was all around us, supposed Satanism, and all it was was children doing foolish things, putting pentagrams places and stuff like that. It, they weren't practicing worship, they were just doing it to make people mad, that's all. You know, that's, there was their only purpose. Now, was there some Satanism? Of course there was. But I remember I got a call from the radio station, uh, we need to do something about this, we need to help out, and, and I was... Uh, totally against getting involved with it, but pressure was put upon me, so I did get involved. And we found out a lot of it was just silly, silly little children with spray cans. That's all it was. But we're not talking about that type of silliness. We're talking about satanic attack in its fullness. We're talking about not someone who is bizarre in a pentagram. What does that mean? It means nothing. It means nothing at all. A, pen, a pentagram sprayed somewhere. What, what, how's the devil working? Oh, he works in pulpits, the scriptures tell us. See? He works in pulpits. Angels of light, ministers of righteousness. And the world's chasing someone who's sacrificing a cat to devils when really pulpits are the problem. Twisting the word of God. Making it foolishness to an unregenerated world. That's Satan's attack. And that's the attack through the ages. That's what we're talking about. So should it surprise you when you look at the, the, the politics roundabout us? Should it surprise you when you look at the country and what's happening? It shouldn't surprise us a bit because God has told us, he's given us the information. We need not fear and tremble. We can stand in the face of adversity. And when we do, people ask us a reason for the hope that's within us because they see the world going the same way we do, see. And so as we look at this conflict of the ages, God provides a temporary covering for the man and the woman, but in the fall of the man and the woman, several devastating things take place. Talking about particularly the man, he's attributed to the fall because remember, she did it deceived, he did it willingly. So several aspects of this, and I was given a paper tonight on, uh, from the Friends of Israel magazine, and apparently it was a reprint of, of Dr. Shawa's book, so it's very interesting. If you get that magazine, it's a wonderful magazine, Friends of Israel. If you get it, uh, there's kind of a reprint of part of um, Dr. Shawa's book in there. At any rate, what happened? There are several devastating, tragic results of man's fall. First of all, man died First of all, man died. Now, 
we have to be careful with that. He did not die instantaneously, right? But the process then began. He would have lived forever upon the face of the earth in the fullness and beauty that God created him with, and Eve as well. But man began the process of dying. But man was so magnificently made, so magnificently, gloriously made, that he lasted for 900 years. 900 years. And it was not until the noetic flood that man now became subject to his creation and now his years were shortened tremendously. Let's, let's go back. Keep your hand. We're here. We're coming back. 2 Peter chapter 3, please. 2 Peter chapter 3. Remember what happened in the great flood of Noah. In the great flood of Noah, the, 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 um, the depths of the ocean, the very depths of the ocean were pushed up. The, uh, not only the, 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 the surface water, but the aquifer was pushed up and the vapor canopy collapsed. And that made man subject to all the harmful rays. You know, we don't think about that much. Uh, uh, I've seen it over my lifetime. Maybe some of you have, but I'll tell you a good example of that. If you go downstairs, and we have the stack of chairs downstairs that was placed, that was in the teen room over there. We replaced them with these. If you go downstairs, you'll look at one of those chairs, and you're going to see the whole back of it ripped. You think those crummy kids, they're ruining our furniture here and stuff. But you just grab a hold of that, that fiber a little bit and pull it, and you're going to see it's going to turn into dust. What is that? It's the result of the sun permeating through the window and actually sucking all the life out of that, uh, that fiber, just totally breaking it down. That's the result of the canopy breaking down. Prior to that, God nourished the entire earth. It was everything was a garden, if you would, with this, with this uh, vapor canopy around the earth. Uh, the sun would warm it. Uh, dew would come up from the ground. But once the vapor canopy fell, man's life was shortened by hundreds, more than 800 years. Man's life was shortened. Why? Because of his felt. In the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. That began the process of physical death as we know it. But perhaps most tragically is what we experience today. All die, we know that to be true. All die. But most tragically, when man sinned, his soul, spirit, his soul and spirit died to God. His soul and spirit died to God. Man became at enmity with God. A fleshly mind, a fallen nature, all was a result of his acceptance of the serpent's uh, temptation and turning against God's will and God's word. Man died spiritually before the Lord. Now, there's several passages of Scripture, but turn with me to Romans chapter 8 for a moment. We won't look at them all, but you know the, the details of that in Romans chapter 8. When man fell, his mind became perverted against the word of God, against the will of God. We see that in Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 7 for a moment, please. Romans 8 and verse 7. Paul lets us know it's in the, in, in the context of 
Christians and, and those who know not the Lord, and you have to cipher that all through. But notice in verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. The carnal mind, the fleshly mind. From that point on, Adam began to have children, and we'll see this, in his own image and after its own likeness, fallen. Created perfect, and now he's producing fall, a fallen mankind with a fallen nature. And so with that, man died spiritually before the Lord. Now, we won't take time to look at this, but you know Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. You who were dead in your trespasses and sins. Dead. Dead to God. You say, well, I know someone. They're very religious. Yes, that's because they've chosen their own way and not God's way completely. They've decided, I know how I'm going to please God. And they do all kinds of bizarre things, don't they? Sacrificing chickens and all kinds of bizarre things. Why? They're looking to please a deity, but it's not God. They need to get into God's word to know what God wants if they're interested. But, of course, they're trying to please their own flesh. Uh, Dr. Shawas refers to this spiritual fallen state, and I like the way he put it. I, I don't want to completely defend everything Dr. Shawas says. He's a great man, and I appreciate him so much. But Dr. Shawas said this. Um, their fallen state, as their governing, he refers to the fallen state and, and the whole transition as their governing disposition their governing disposition, that once their, their disposition was once oriented toward God in the Garden of Eden, that it was oriented toward God, created in his own image, in his own likeness, and now this fallen disposition has now become completely corrupted. It's a disposition, disposition of fleshliness. So instead of a bent toward God, they're now a bent toward their flesh, toward what they would choose uh, to do. Secondly, thirdly, I should say, so man was subject to physical death. Now man is, is in spiritual death. And now the entire creation turns against them. It's interesting. I think it's against me, too. Uh, you know, Nancy and I planted a garden and we you know, nourished their little bodies. You know, up came these seedlings. Oh, it's beautiful. I thought, we're going to have lots of vegetables. And a rodent got in my garden. Now, if you think they're beautiful, I cannot help you. But uh, something called the woodchuck. Why they call them that, I do not know. They're not after wood at all. They're after. But a woodchuck came and mowed our garden down for us. So much so that we were attacked four different times by these hideous creatures that ate our seedlings. The world turned against me. All nature turned against me. If Adam hadn't ascend, everything would have been beautiful. Animals subject to him, woodchucks would not invade our garden. All would have been perfect. But no, because of Adam's fall, all of creation turned against them. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3, verse 17. And unto Adam he said, Because you have hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and you have eaten of the tree, which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it 
all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles shall bring forth unto thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. Verse 19. And in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou turn unto the ground, return unto the ground. From out of it you were taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. The entire creation turned against him immediately. That's why we struggle today. Ask any farmer. That's why many of us get different ailments. They spray everything. They have to spray to keep the insects off. They spray everything with all kinds of pesticides. Remember, Nancy and I went down to um, Pennsylvania one time. Uh, I don't remember who we had with us. Obviously, it was our children. But we went to a place where you can eat um, buffet style. Uh, I mean, uh, I forget exactly the style. But you sit at long tables anyway. Family style, I guess they call it. And they come and serve all kinds of chicken. And I was sitting across from a farmer. And I thought, I'm gonna, I want to have an opportunity to talk to him about the Lord, if I can. So I started talking to him about his crops. And I talked a little bit about you know, what they do for crops. He said, well, he said, we have to be careful because there's laws now. We can't spray certain pesticides. Can't, he said, there's laws. DDT was one of them where they took it off the market. But there were other pesticides. He said, but we can spray anything we want on our tobacco crop. That's what he told me. He said, but think about it for a moment, would you? He said, my tobacco crop is in the middle of all my other crops. He said, when they come and spray, do you think it only lands on tobacco leaves? <laughs> what was the answer? No, of course not. They have to spray. Why? Because creation turned against Adam and Eve. There's something called Roundup out there. It'll round you up okay. It'll take you out. Why? They need it. Why? Because thorns and thistles inhabit the earth. You don't think so? Plant the garden and leave it alone for a few months. There'll be nothing left but thorns and thistles. Everything will be consumed. Why? Because the ground was cursed. Okay, what else happened? This, I, I feel bad for them, okay? I'm angry with them because uh, of my own sinful habits, but uh, I feel bad for them because and the entire creation now turned against them. Let's look at a passage, if we could, please. Uh, look, look at me, uh, look at me, look with me, please, at chapter 6. Chapter 6. We're in chapter 6. If you would, please. Uh... No, I'm sorry. I, I have you at the wrong place. I want you to go to chapter 4. Uh, chapter 5. Chapter 5, yes. This is, of course, God now bringing in the flood. And he sees all the wickedness of man, and God's going to cleanse the earth, if you would. Now, it's interesting because he does not cleanse their heart. One family in particular uh, would be Noah. He apparently was a believer, and so weren't his children, apparently, I say. Uh, I believe Noah was. I'm not sure about all. But God... Uh, God purged, if you would, or took these righteous people, seemingly, and he put them upon the ark. Why? Because murder was upon the face of the earth. All kinds of horrible, murderous things were going on. But notice in chapter 6, now in verse 11, chapter 6 and verse 11, the earth also, he already said the earth was corrupt, he also said wicked men were upon the earth, and then he adds this, the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled 
with violence. All the creatures that God had created to be named by Adam, that they marched in front of Adam and he named them all, all the creatures, and this would have included dinosaurs. They, they were friendly, they were herbivores, they all ate veget, uh, vegetables, they all ate greens, they all ate salad, dark green leafy vegetables. They, they, that's all they ate, but the moment uh, the curse took place, Adam now was subject to violence by animals. Now, I don't know about you, but certain things frighten me. I, you know, uh, Nancy and I walk along the road and this big dog, why people have these things, I do not understand. He'll crash into the fence, you know, he wants to get you, you know. And you can't carry a big enough stick. You know, if that thing came over the fence, I'd hand Nancy a stick and hopefully I could outrun her, you know, from the guy. But the violence, and that's, that's a dog. Imagine something 10 feet tall with Teeth one foot long chasing you. You cannot have a stick big enough. Remember what God said in Peter? The earth that once was perished. Perished. God wiped out the whole business because of the violence that was upon the face of the earth. Creation turns against him. I won't have you turn there, but you know in Romans chapter 8, uh, it tells us very, very plainly uh, uh, about uh, the creation groans in travail, waiting for the coming of Messiah. Okay, now, there's an earthquake in Haiti, or, or, or a uh, typhoon, or, or uh, whatever it comes in there. Why? Because the earth is corrupt. There's storms. There's, uh, there's uh, hurricanes, there's tornadoes, and they strike Christians as well as unsaved people. Why? The earth is corrupt. The earth is corrupted. When did that happen? All the way back in the garden. So when these tragedies happen on earth today, we, why, God, why? Because in Adam, all die. Because of the corruption of the earth. And we, we, we try not to think of this. I know that. It, it's hard for us to contemplate. Could God have stopped it? Could God have done something? He chose not to. Why? The earth is corrupt. The earth is corrupted. Turn with me one passage, please. The Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, chapter 16. It was mentioned this morning. I think it was mentioned uh, this evening as well. But in the Gospel of John, chapter 16. So... Is it hopeless? Are we helpless? Are we doomed and finished? The answer to that is, of course not. Of course not. But we need to expect these things to happen. Don't let it catch you by surprise. Why is this happening to me? You know, this type of stuff. Whining and crying. No, 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 no. Now, that doesn't mean there isn't heartbreak and heartache. We understand that. There is. We don't sorrow as those who have for those who have died before us, as those who have no hope. But there's still sorrow involved. We recognize that. But we also realize in John chapter 16, the promise to the Lord Jesus Christ to his disciples. And we're looking at verse 33. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. Listen, I want a candidate in the White House that's going to bring us peace and not war. But you know what? 
It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. No matter who gets in the White House, they're only going to bring more destruction. Why? Because that's the world we live in. Evil men and seducers are waxing worse and worse. We recognize that. I want America the way it was. I can't think. Well, sometime. I don't know exactly when. I, you know, I want peace. I don't want hostility. I don't want any of this stuff. But is it going to happen? The Lord Jesus said, in me you might have peace. Listen, in the world you will have troubles. Isn't that interesting? Well, if he knew it, why didn't he take us out? No, no, I want you to be a testimony to me. My power is manifest in your weakness. That's what he's telling us. And so, what's going on around us? That's the world. In the world, you're going to have trouble. Now, what about, what is this in the world? Well, we're subject to all of the conditions of a fallen world. Our bodies get weak, and they die. We get diseases, we get cancers. I know the, the groups of people uh, known as Pentecostal-type charismatics, they don't, you know, we can banish disease. Try it out. Doesn't work, right? Why? Well, because we're subject to a fallen world. And God is going to allow some of these things into our life to take us home to be with him. Difficult things. I want to go in my sleep after having eaten a steak <laughs> and chocolate cream pie for dessert. But listen, that might not be my, my, my lot. That might not be what the Lord has in store for me. Can you fight it? The answer is no. Can you go against what God's word says? The answer is no. In me, you might have peace. In the world, you're going to get all of the situations that the world gets. But, is the end of it, right? Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. This isn't it. This isn't it. So when Adam fell, he plunged the world, if you would, into darkness. And Christ came and gave us the light of light. And so we have the blessed hope. So what in the world is going round about us? It's called sin. Depravity. It's called wickedness. And we can expect no more from those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. The tragedy is we should be able to expect more from those who know the Lord Jesus Christ. But they have fallen prey to the world. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time. As we look at these things, Father, there's a certain amount of darkness that comes with them because we're exposing the darkness of satanic depravity. And Father, we recognize that some of these things are difficult, very difficult, and yet, Lord, your word promises that there is no testing taken us but such is common to man. And you are faithful who with the testing will make that way of escape that we might be able to bear it. Father, uh, some bear it right unto the end. And Father, though we cannot completely explain all the time all that you do, we know that you are sovereign, that you are in control, and that through your word, Father, 
you give us the light of life. Thank you for this time, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.